You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. <laughs> Episode 23 of the Wide Right Podcast, fitting considering it's last dance season. Um, episode 23 of the Wide Right Podcast, I'm your host as always, Ryan Honey of Elite Sports New York and the Elite Sports Radio Network. A lot of stuff to get to, undrafted free agent news. I promised last week we would do a uh, podcast episode on that. So talking about the undrafted free agents, where they fit in to the roster, um, even if they even make the active roster or if they're on the practice squad or just simply cut. Then we'll get into some fifth-year option news with Evan Engram and Jabril Peppers. I'll answer a question from, from one of my fellow writers, Kyle Newman. Does a lot of great Jets and Mets stuff for us here at ESNY. Shout-out, Kyle. Um, and then we'll get a little bit into the schedule. I'm going to do a little a more in-depth episode on the schedule, giving uh, week-by-week week week-by-week predictions, and then I'll get into some NFC East predictions. I'll give a, my own prediction of how the NFC East is going to shape out based on the you know the scheduling and off-season moves and stuff like that, even though they basically play the same teams. Still go week-by-week. Week. Not, re- not week-by-week week for each team, but we'll figure it out, make some predictions in those regards. Um, that episode, so right now I'm recording episode 23. This is Thursday night. May 7th, it will probably be released Friday morning or later tonight, and then episode 24, I'll start working on, probably record it tomorrow, which is Friday, May 8th, and then or Saturday, whenever I have the time, but let's get into it, undrafted free agents, so the Giants signed 16, 16 kids who did not go in the slate of 255 players um, that the NFL draft entailed. A little bit more than usual, 16. I'll read them off by name. Uh, Rhode Island offensive lineman Kyle. Actually, I'll go by position group. So they, as far as the offensive line concerned, obviously the Giants acquired numerous offensive linemen in the draft. Andrew Thomas, first round, offensive tackle. Another offensive tackle and Matt Parrott out of UConn in the third. And then Oregon guard Shane Lemieux in, in the fifth, uh, who may actually compete at center. He probably He will compete at center. Who knows? You know, if he'll win the job, time will only tell. But then the Giants actually added a couple more offensive linemen in the draft. Rhode Island offensive lineman Kyle Murphy, and then Louisville offensive lineman Tyler Haycraft, who obviously played alongside the newest, one of the newest New York Jets, Mekhi Becton, who's the six-seven offensive tackle, um, first-team All ACC, I believe, his um, this past year. Will these guys get much playing time? 
My guess is, will any of these guys get much playing time if they make the active roster? My guess is no. The probability doesn't isn't really in their favor. But you never know. Victor Cruz was, as I said last week and as we all know, Victor Cruz was an undrafted free agent. And we know how that turned out. Pro Bowl season, Super Bowl champ, you know, the whole nine. So who knows with these guys. They may intrigue the coaching staff. They may impress the hell out of everybody. Who knows? But my guess is that they'll mostly be they'll be depth pieces or or special teams guys if they make the roster. Um, I think the Giants have the Giants hopefully have a good foundation to work with um, on the offensive line as far as the future. Now, I mean, I can see the offense as far as the future is concerned. I can see the offensive line entailing from left to right uh, Thomas, Will Hernandez. Possibly Shane Lemieux. Um, and then right guard, Kevin Zeitler. And then right tackle, Matt Parrott. That would be, I mean, that would be ideal. If, 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 if all five can work, that would be ideal. So as far as Kyle Murphy and Tyler Haycraft go, I'd say these are depth pieces, special teams guys. Um, and then you get into uh, more skills position. Skills positions on the offensive uh, offensive side of the ball. Giants signed Maryland running back Javon Leak. And it's tough. The backup running back slots are wide open on this roster. Obviously, Saquon Barkley is the clear-cut starter. Um, I know Joe Judge says that no one is a clear-cut starter right now. Saquon Barkley is a clear-cut starter. He's, you know, that's pretty that's pretty much a given. Um, the, regardless of what you think of his, the year he had last year, he was hurt for most of the year, battling... Injuries behind a troubling offensive line, um, so he didn't have a great year. That doesn't take away from the fact that he's arguably the best running back in the league. I don't think I'm being ridiculous in saying that. You know, I think he's he's arguably the best running back in the league. So that's starting running back position is already basically decided. It is decided, not even basically. It is decided. But as far as the backup running back spot go, I mean, it's I'd say it's wide open. Who knows Wayne Gallman's future? I mean, I I like what I see out of Wayne Gallman sometimes, but is he that much more valuable than any of the other backup running backs? Is there that much? Is there really that much space between all of them on the depth chart? I mean, all of them are basically all these all the backup running backs are basically expendable. I mean, when you talk about him, uh, John John Hilleman didn't impress much last year. Um, I believe he started that one game, I think, again, yeah, against the Patriots. He started the one game against the Patriots uh, when Barkley and Gallman were both hurt, I believe. Uh, Deion Lewis, obviously, is a good, um, can be used in passing downs. He was signed this offseason. Elijah Penny's more of a fullback. And that, and after that, yeah, that's it. So you got Saquon, Gallman, Hilleman, Javon Leak, and Deion Lewis, and Elijah Penny right now. Maybe Javon makes the team. Who knows? Maybe they like him. Maybe they say goodbye to Goleman after, what's now, three years. You know, do you really get a lot? Like, is Goleman really that valuable? I don't think... I mean, he doesn't have to do much behind Saquon Barkley. Barkley takes, obviously, the load, the majority of the load. So, maybe there's a possibility they take Javon League over Goleman. I could. I wouldn't be surprised if if Leak impresses them more. They take him over Gallman. I, I 
I can't see them taking him over Deion Lewis, mostly because I think just because they they just signed Deion Lewis, I don't think they're going to cut him right away. But they may cut Gallman. I mean, this this front office, J- Dave Gettleman did not sign, did not draft Wayne Gallman. Jerry Reese drafted Wayne Gallman. That was his last draft. It was the 2017 draft. Yeah, it, it's so. There's a chance. There's there's definitely a chance. Um, so then the receipt, the Giants then re- then signed four receivers. One of them may be a tight end. The one that may be a tight end, Rice and John, 6'7", 237, Simon Fraser University in British Columbia, up in Canada. I mean, he's obviously the biggest receiver on the roster already. The Giants, I thought the Giants were going to draft a tall receiver. Someone maybe in the third round the Giant that Daniel Jones could use near the goal line. Uh, I mean, besides besides Rice and John, now the uh, the two tallest receivers are Cody Core and David Sills. Sills was a practice squad player for the majority of the year last year, and Cody Core is a special teams guy who they like, and they resigned him. So those Cody Core and David Sills at six foot three weren't goal line threats. They weren't used as that, despite the fact that they were the tallest receivers on the roster. Now, even though he may be worked at more at tight end. Maybe John is that guy. Maybe Rice and John is that guy. I mean, they're going to have to test it out in training camp and free agency. It's a stretch to even say that, that he's the guy. Considering nobody knows who he is, really. But he's 6'7", 230s. If he can use that size to his advantage at the next level, that would be I mean, that would be pretty fun to watch. I, I think that would be... It would be interesting to see someone like that. You know, he played played ball in Canada... Um, no one knows who he is. He comes over here um, to the NFL undrafted. As I said before, Victor Cruz was. Obviously, Victor Cruz is a little bit different of a receiver. He wasn't six seven, But you never know. And then... Giants then signed Derek Dillon, LSU wideout. And then two Ohio State wide receivers in Austin Mack and, and uh, Benjamin Vector. Um, and these guys are obviously talented. I mean... LSU and, and one LSU guy, two Ohio State guys. You know, one's one Derek Dillon was a national champ with Joe Burrow. So, I mean, these guys are talented. Maybe these guys impressed the coaching staff during training camp, preseason. Obviously, that's tough right now to really impress anybody with virtual workouts going on. And who knows when players will be able to hit the field. I know they sent the memo out. The NFL sent the memo out on Wednesday night. Yeah, last night, Wednesday night, detailing you know, potential plans to return to facilities. Um, But that's just for, that wouldn't be players right away. That would be other employees and stuff like that. But, you know, it's tough right now for these guys to impress the coaching staff. But nonetheless, Dylan, Austin Mack, and Kyle Martin, and excuse me, uh, Benjamin Victor, these guys are all, all played at, you know, prime college football schools. I mean, LSU and Ohio State, I mean, those are two Final Four. Those are two schools in the college football playoff. Two Final Four schools, basically. So, they have talent. We'll see if, you know, they were slept on in the draft. or We'll we'll see one of two things. Either they were slept on in the draft, 
or we see the reason why they weren't picked in the draft. So we'll find that out soon enough. And then, so moving on, last uh, offensive position, South Carolina tight end Kyle Markway. Uh, the Giants didn't draft a tight end in this year's draft. Some thought they would. I didn't think they should have, and I'm glad they didn't draft a tight end. I thought it was, you know, waste. They already have numerous tight ends on the roster. Engram, Caden Smith. Um, they have the kid that played for the, yeah, they have, so they have seven tight ends listed on the roster right now. Rice and John being one of them. So they're probably, they may move John over to tight end. But they have Levine Toilolo and Eric Tomlinson. They both signed, both of them signed this offseason. Caden Smith, not, now Kyle Markway, uh, Evan Engram, Garrett Dickerson. They have numerous tight ends on the roster. Numerous. I mean, and guys with different specialties too. Levine Toilolo is more of a run, is a more of a blocking tight end. Uh, Caden Smith caught three touchdowns last year, I believe. Um, I got to look up his stats real quick, but I believe he caught. I know he racked up two two hundred thirty six yards. No, excuse me, thirty one catches, two hundred sixty eight yards through the air, and three touchdowns. So he can be a weapon in the passing game. He had two touchdowns in that Week sixteen win over Washington. And uh, Evan Engram's obviously more of a versatile tight end, more of a you know. Receiving tight end can line up off the line of scrimmage on more in the he can, he can line up as a tight end in the slot in the backfield. He can do it all basically if he's healthy, but that's a big if. Uh, but anyway, so they they have guys at tight ends. They have bodies at tight end. I mean, there's that's gonna be that's gonna be a deep position group, at least for the training camp and preseason period. So I'm glad they didn't draft a tight end, but they did sign Kyle Markway. Um, from South Carolina, who's going to be coming coming to East Rutherford with T.J. Brunson, linebacker from South Carolina, who the Giants drafted in the seventh round. Um, I mean, he's he's, he's going to be a depth piece. He has to be depth is necessary at this spot. Um, I know I said I didn't want them to draft because they have too many, but I, he he's going to be a depth piece, just like how. Five of these other, I see seven tight. I see seven tight ends on the screen right here. Five will be depth pieces. I mean, it's really only going to be, as far as the passing game is concerned, you're really going to only see Engram and Caden Smith. I, I mean, five of them will be depth pieces, and then three of them may be cut. I don't know, but I, I think they'll maybe keep like four tight ends. So three of these guys will get cut. But depth is important because you never know what's going to happen with Engram. You know, Rhett Ellison retired this. Off season, um, I, I just depth is important, but the reason I am glad they didn't draft someone is because too much depth could be could be an issue because you're wasting roster spots at that point. If seven tight ends, I don't think makes much of a difference than six tight ends. So why waste a roster spot? You know. So, but in eleven games with South Carolina last year, uh, he caught thirty-one balls, three hundred forty-nine yards, two touchdowns. So I mean, kid could play. We'll see what he can translate over to the um, the pros, but we'll see. Then the Giants got actually got two outside linebackers in uh, Dana Levine from Temple and uh, Dominique Ross from North Carolina. And I guess you can put the two edge rushers they drafted in this category, uh, Dartmouth uh, edge rusher Nico Lalos and Illinois edge 
uh, Oluwole, Petiku Jr. I don't think any of these guys are going to get any playing time really at all on the defensive side of the ball if they make the active roster. I think the Giants, if if Marcus Golden does come back, so Marcus Golden has the unrestricted free agent tender on him right now. If he doesn't sign somewhere by, I believe, July 22nd. Yeah, July 20. If he doesn't sign anywhere by July 22nd, he's a giant for cheap. Um, he probably won't be too happy about that, but you know that's it is what it is. If Marcus Golden is back in the giant with the Giants next year and playing with the Giants next year, he's going to be the clear cut starter. I mean, ten sacks last year, first Giants linebacker to achieve double digit sacks since Lawrence Taylor in 1990, um, first Giant period to. Uh, Achieved double digit sacks since I believe JPP had 12 and a half in 2014. Um, shout out JPP, miss him. Um, so I think you got him. You know, Lorenzo Carter is going to get some playing, is obviously going to not get some playing time, he's going to start just like he has for you know, all that, just like he did for f- the majority of the year last year. Uh, he, he has consistency related issues, so he's going to have to fix you know, clean that up, but he'll start. And then as far as depth pieces, they signed Kyler Fackrell this offseason, who had, I believe, 10.5 sacks in 2018. Um, he's another one that's a little inconsistent, only had one sack last year, I believe. And then they signed, or excuse me, they uh, drafted Carter Coughlin in the seventh round, Min- uh, edge rusher from University of Minnesota, two-time All-Big Ten second team. I mean, you could say what you want. I'm like, you can say, oh, second team doesn't count. I mean, if you're the second best or third best, because it's an edge rusher, if you're the third, second or third best at your position in the, in the Big Ten twice, I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty damn good. So I, I, I'm happy the Giants picked someone up like Coughlin. He's athletic. He's versatile. That's what Joe Judge wants in his team. That's what Patrick Graham wants in his on his defensive in his defensive unit. Um, and uh, I think I think they're sort of set with that position. With that said, I don't think Levine from Temple, Lalo's from Dartmouth, Batiku from Illinois, and Ross from North Carolina, despite the fact that all these guys have some talent within them, I don't think any of them are going to be, you know, lighting it up in the training camp and preseason periods. I think the Giants are set, at least for now, with who's going to be the starting, uh, who's going to be starting at the edge rusher spots and who's going to be backing them up. I think it's going to be golden, and I think at the two, if you're going to talk in a 3-4, I think the two outside linebacker spots or edge rusher spots are going to be Marcus Golden um, as the weak side linebacker, and then Lorenzo Carter as a strong, and uh, Fackrell and Coffin backing them up, and then probably one or two of these guys that I just named, so... But I don't, I don't, I can't see them getting much playing time on the defensive side of the ball, uh, mostly special teams, I think. And then, as I've said numerous, numerous, numerous times before, you can never have too much depth in the defensive backfield. And the Giants, despite the fact they took three defensive backs in this draft, if I'm not mistaken, I think so. Yeah, they took you know Xavier McKinney, obviously, in the second round. Uh, and then they took who was Darnay Holmes in the fourth from UCLA, the corner. He's going to be he's going to be competing for the nickel corner slot. Uh, Chris Williamson from Minnesota in the seventh round. He'll also be competing at nickel corner. 
And then the Giants went out and they signed three undrafted free agents who were um, one is defensive back Christian Angulo from Hampton, Central Methodist cornerback Malcolm Elmore and Mississippi State safety Jacorius Landrews. Uh, I mean, say what you want. Angulo and Elmore will compete, will somewhat compete for, I mean, they'll. They, my guess is they're going to give their all, obviously. I mean, all these guys give their all when they're out on the field. You know, I don't know if laziness is really a thing. It's definitely not acceptable. But I just don't think they're going to – the competition is going to be is going to be too much. When you talk about the competition at the nickel corner spot, I think at nickel corner, Angulo and Elmore, I just I, – I, I don't think they have a chance. I don't – I mean – Talking about a kid from Hampton, a kid from Central Methodist, I just don't think they have the chance. And, and but then again, there's Jaquarius Landrews who played at Mississippi State. He's going to be a depth piece. I can see him making the team. He'll be a depth piece. I mean, they need a couple. They only have a couple safeties at the moment. I don't think they have. When you talk about depth of that position, I don't think they have too much depth, because when you consider, I think Xavier McKinney is going to be the starting safety, one of the, the starting free safety, excuse me, and then Jabril Peppers will be the strong safety, and then I think, you know, many thought Julian Love was going to be the strong, the uh, free safety alongside Peppers, and I think he'll now, I, I think he has a chance to be the starting slot corner, nickel corner. So, with him out of the mix in those regards, I think when you have depth, I just don't see anybody really reliable behind those two guys. I mean, Love would be the only reliable option behind those two, behind McKinney and Peppers, and he's probably moving to the slot corner spot, I would think. I would hope, to be honest, because I think he's the best option for that spot. Um, so, maybe Jaquarius Landrews gets some playing time down the road. I, I Maybe he's... You know, someone that comes in on dime packages. Maybe he's a th- he's the third safety and three safety looks. Who knows? I mean, I I think he'll he'll have to impress on special teams initially, in order for that to happen eventually. In order for him to make um, for him to sort of get looks at safety as even in just a dime package or a three safety look. So, but maybe down the road. Landrews figures it out, and he helps his team in more ways than one. Um, he definitely shows versatility from the defensive backfield. Uh, 77 total tackles with 45 solo, one pick and eight pass breakups in 2019 with Mississippi State. Uh, he holds that Mississippi State connection with Joe Judge. Joe Judge, obviously, that is his alma mater. So maybe down the road, Landrews impresses the coaches and hearing some reps on the defensive side of the ball, but with all these guys, as I keep saying, who knows? That's all we can do right now. You got to wait until they're on the field right now. They can't get on the field. It's only virtual. We don't know. Oh, I forgot one offensive player. The Giants signed... So they did not sign uh, Shea Patterson. There was a fake report, or a false report, which you can say is fake, uh, that they signed... Michigan quarterback Shea Patterson. That is not true. Uh, I did put it in this, and then I in the 
undrafted free agent tracker, but good thing about free undrafted free agent trackers is that you can update them. So I updated it. I took it out. Shea Patterson is not on the Giants. He's not with the Giants organization. Uh, Case Cookus, Northern Arizona quarterback. Um, he'll be a depth piece behind Daniel Jones. Uh, Daniel Jones, like Saquon Barkley, as I said before, is a clear-cut starter. I don't care if Joe Judge is saying that no one is a clear-cut starter right now. Daniel Jones most certainly is. And, uh, yeah, he'll be, I mean, last year with the uh, FCS program, through 12 games, he completed 60.3% of his throws, 4,114 yards, 31 touchdowns, 7 picks. I mean, he had great statistics. I mean, those are great numbers. 41-14 yards, 31 touchdowns, 7 picks, 12 games, great numbers. I mean, that's just, that's fantastic statistics, but. Obviously, FCS is so much different than the NFL. So who knows? But he'll 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 be competing against Alex Tanney, uh, Colt McCoy, who they just signed, uh, Cooper Rush, who they just picked up off waivers, who was waived by the Cowboys after Dallas signed Andy Dalton to be Dak's backup. Um, don't think that Andy Dalton is going to be the Cowboys starter at some point. He's not. Dak is their guy. Dak should get paid. I'm not saying he should get paid as much as he may want, but he should get paid. But so now you got Cooper Rush and Cookus and Tanny McCoy and Daniel Jones. So I think they'll they'll keep three quarterbacks. Maybe one of them will be on the practice squad with two on the active roster. Uh, so we'll see what Cookus can do in the training camp and preseason periods. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to get any playing time, but maybe he can be a decent backup for this team for the next couple years or so. So, but anyway, moving on, we have, want to talk about, there's a little bit about the fifth-year options. Um, so last week, the Giants rewarded the fifth-year options for Jabril Peppers and Evan Engram. Honestly, I was a little... I wasn't surprised with Peppers. I mean, they just traded for him last year in the Odell Beckham trade. If you trade him and then you only have him for... If you trade a receiver a talent like Beckham and then what you get in return you only or part of what you get in return you only have for two years that to me just is not the right move that's it's a waste so I think I like Peppers I think he's very talented and versatile um, I think a safety tandem with him and McKinney is going to be scary for opponents so I I I'd prefer the Giants keep Peppers in the mix, and I'm glad they gave him the fifth-year option. I don't think there was any discussion. I don't think there was any argument against them giving him the fifth-year option, so I'm glad they got that done. And then Evan Engram, I was going back and forth on. I know some there are fans out there that believe in him, um, and I won't argue the fact that he's very athletic, and he's very versatile, and he's fast. He can make plays, but if he's healthy, he can do that, and that's a big if. I mean, through three years, he's missed 14 games. He He's missed more games going by. He missed one game his rookie season. He missed five his second year, and then he missed eight last year. So he seems to be getting more injury-prone by the year. Uh, so, yeah, that's a big if. I mean, this year is going to be huge for Ingram. 
huge. He's got to prove that he is not a human medical tent. He's got to prove that you know he's not married to the injury, the trainer's room. He's not spending so much time. You know, he he's got to learn. He's got to stay on the field. He's got to stay on the field. If this is another season where he's missing even just like five, six games, that's the Giants got to make a big decision of whether he's the future of this. He's the future at tight end for this organization or not. They got to make that. It's a, that's a big decision to make. Um, a lot of people would rather just them stick with Caden Smith. I agree in a sense. I think Caden Smith is reliable. I think he definitely got the job done uh, when he was on the field last year. As I said before, two touchdowns against the in the Week 16 win against Washington last year, including the game winner in overtime. But we got to see more out of Caden Smith. You know, he only played in nine games last year. We got to see if that wasn't just, you know, a fluke. Now defense may have some film on defense. Will have defenses opposing defenses will have some film on him. We got to see how he responds to that, and um, yeah, I mean, we got we we got to see for sure what Caden Smith can bring to this table and what he can bring to this organization. Bring to this organization. Uh, but I, I I understand the arguments for both. I, I I understand Engram's very athletic and versatile, and he can do it all. I understand why some people want to get rid of him because the injuries are just too big of a concern. Um, I I lean more towards. I don't believe he's the future at tight end for this organization. I just think the injuries are too large of a worry to me. Um, but the Giants are giving him a shot, and this year is this year is going to be huge for him. You know, because they might turn around and say, "Yeah, we're done." They trade him or something like that. This 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 twenty twenty season, this upcoming year is huge for Evan Engram. He's got to show that he can stay on the field. Uh, he's got to return to that. You know, reliable, promising—not promising anymore. He's got a his his rookie season. He was great. He only missed the one game at the end of the year. Um, the game didn't matter at all, obviously, because they were two and thirteen going into week seventeen. He's got to get back to that level of play. He, he's got to stay on the field, stay healthy, be an integral part of this offense. Um, if he doesn't, then I think the Giants say goodbye. Alright, moving on. I'm going to get to that question. So I asked my fellow ESNY Giants writers if they could send me some you know, questions and stuff like that to talk about or answer and discuss on the podcast. And we have one from Kyle Newman. As I said before, great Giants, or excuse me, great uh, Jets and Mets writer. Uh, shout out Kyle. He asks, how he texts me in our group chat. He goes, how do you think the Giants' defense will line up in pass coverage with two starting safeties, Jabril Peppers and Xavier McKinney, who excel near the line of scrimmage and struggle in coverage? So this is something that I didn't think much of leading up to the draft because I, just, I didn't think... I knew some people thought the Giants would take a safety in as early as the second or third round. I never bought into it. I thought they were going to fix the offensive line right away. I mean, they did with the you know, Andrew Thomas pick, and I thought they were going to address interior offensive line in the second or third round. I didn't think they were going to go safety until the later rounds. I thought they were set with um, Julian Love at 
at uh, free safety and Jabril Peppers at strong safety. So I never really thought like of something like this. I didn't think McKay, I didn't think McKinney was going to be there uh, in the second round for them, uh, despite the fact that he was arguably the best safety in this entire draft. But when it comes to pass coverage, if they're co- when it comes to passing downs with uh, Peppers and McKinney. I think if you're going to have one of them play up near the line of scrimmage, I think they have McKinney up near the line of scrimmage over Peppers. Because despite the fact that Peppers' strength is playing and performing near the line of scrimmage, he's most certainly better in pass coverage than McKinney is right now. He's more experienced than McKinney. Um, He's already played three seasons to McKinney's zero. So it's... I think they would have McKinney play up near the line of scrimmage, you know, rush the passer, uh, or cover the flat, and they'd have they'd have Peppers play more in the, you know, deep safety role in those regards. Just because Peppers is more experienced, if you're going to have one of them back in pass coverage, then I would say it'd be Peppers, just because he's more experienced in those regards, facing NFL quarterbacks and facing NFL uh, passing attacks and stuff like that. So yeah, I'd have McKinney up near the line, or there's a possibility that maybe they take McKinney out in those certain circumstances that they know they're gonna. If they know they're the, the opponent is gonna throw the ball, then I would say maybe they actually take McKinney out and they put someone that's more inclined to succeed in pass coverage into the game for him like a Julian Love. You know, say Julian Love is at the slot corner spot, McKinney at free safety and Peppers at strong safety, and it say a third and 13 or a third and 15 comes about and they know the opponent is throwing the ball. They may move Love to free safety, have Love be the deep safety. You know, you know Love is better in coverage than either of those two because he was a cornerback in college. We all know this. Um... Have him be the deep safety. Have Peppers come up, perform near the line of scrimmage, rush the passer, um, or cover the flat if he needs to. And then at you know at slot corner, if you're gonna have a slot corner in there, then possibly Grant Haley or Corey Ballantine. Um, I think that would work. You know, obviously Corey Ballantine and Grant Haley weren't exactly reliable or consistent last year, but I would trust them more. I wouldn't move McKinney to. I wouldn't have McKinney and Love switch and have McKinney go to slot corner. I just I just think Ballantine and Haley are better in pass coverage than McKinney would be right now. Um, so yeah, I think those are two possibilities. If you're going to have passing downs, I think you would have McKinney play up near the line of scrimmage and Peppers be the deep safety because Peppers has more uh, experience in pass coverage. Or take McKinney out and put Love as a deep safety and have Peppers perform more near the line of scrimmage and rush the passer and then have, you know, Corey Ballantine or Grant Haley or even Darney Holmes at slot corner um, if you're going to run a dime package in those, or if you're going to run a nickel package or a dime package in those, in, in that scenario. So, yeah, I think there's multiple ways they can go about that. I'm excited to see how they, that's a, that was a very interesting question. I'm excited to see how they, uh, how they handle that type of situation um, when the season comes along. So that'll be interesting. But I'm excited. that It, it makes me excited just thinking about that safety tandem. I think, as I said before, I think uh, McKinney 
and Peppers. I think that's a, that's a scary safety tandem. I mean, the Giants social media team put out a graphic last week of Peppers and McKinney side-by-side side in Giants uniform. It looked... I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, and I know, and I actually, and people know this, I wasn't a, I, I, I was sort of, I wasn't a, exactly a fan of the pick to begin with of McKinney. Not that he's not a great player. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's going to bring great things to this defense. But I just really, really, really wanted a center in the second round. I really wanted another, uh, I really wanted an interior offensive lineman in the second round, not a safety. So that's where I was kind of like, I don't agree with the pick, but I, I've warmed up to it, and I'm 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 definitely excited that McKinney's part of the um, part of the team. I think he's going to bring great things to this defense, this secondary, uh, this pass rush. I, I think, you know, he's an athletic, versatile player that I think Patrick Graham and Joe Judge are both going to love, and I think Giants fans are going to love too. So, all right, going to go through the schedule a little bit. So, 2020 schedule came out tonight. At so the the teams were allowed to release their schedules at 7:30 p.m. Eastern Time. The NFL officially re- released the entire schedule at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Giants do not open up on the road this year. They do not open up in Dallas. I thought it was going to be Giants at Cowboys 4:25 p.m. Eastern Time. Fox, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. I thought that was going to be it. Just like it is, it seems like every single year. But that, not every single year. Sometimes they play on Sun, or a lot of the times they played on Sunday Night Football. But I don't think the Giants are going on Sunday Night Football anytime soon because you need to win games for that to happen. Um, so, but the Giants open up at home Monday night against Pittsburgh. Now this is a little bit of a weird matchup for the op- for Week One. It kind of reminds me of when the Giants were played in Detroit on week one uh, on Monday Night Football uh, they in I believe that was 2014 they got crushed but that's beside the point um, I'm excited I mean that's going to be the return of Ben Roethlisberger who missed all of last year uh, Monday night in MetLife Stadium hopefully there's fans in the stadium um, hopefully this game doesn't get pushed back or delayed or anything like that so I am I'm looking forward to this. At 7 p.m. Eastern Time, it's not at 8:20 or 8:15 or whatever it is. Remember, Monday Night Football Week One. There's two Monday Night games. Um, I do not know what the latter, the later Monday Night game is that week. Probably it's usually two uh, AFC West opponents. So um, I don't know, but it's it's it's. Giants and Steelers, 7-15. And then on the road against the Bears, week two, home against San Francisco. And then out in Los Angeles, week four against the Rams. Those are two tough games. Wow. And I, I, I think the first four games are tough. Steeler, Pittsburgh is always tough. Um, I think Tomlin's a great coach. And I think, you know, we'll see how Roethlisberger is uh, when he comes back. The Bears struggled last year. I don't think. I don't think. There's possibility they may beat the Bears, but I. I don't think. I just don't think they'll get it done. Niners, no. Rams, no. And then they got the Cowboys, Redskins, Eagles, back to back to back. Week eight, Monday night at MetLife Stadium. 
Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to town. Um, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. I think that would be a great game for them to induct Eli Manning into the Ring of Honor and retire his jersey at halftime. I think that would be incredible uh, with Tom Brady in the building. I just, I think that would be awesome. Uh, and then, then two division games back-to-back, Week 9 and 10, Redskins and Eagles. Uh, week 11 by Week 12 against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. In Cincinnati, then at Seattle, home against Arizona, and then Week 15, the return of Odell to MetLife Stadium. Cleveland Browns, New York Giants, MetLife Stadium, Sunday, December 20th, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm surprised this isn't like a Thursday night or a Monday night game. I thought it would be. Um, definitely not a Sunday night game because, as I said, the Giants aren't going to be on Sunday night unless they start winning games. But maybe if both teams are good, maybe this game is flexed to uh, Sunday night. You know, it's already on Sunday, so it's I think it's it's eligible to be flexed. So, uh, yeah, maybe if both are good, it's it maybe they flex the game. Who knows? And then week sixteen at Baltimore, that's going to be tough. And then they finish the season at home against the Dallas Cowboys. So, and that's a Sunday that's a Sunday afternoon game at one p.m. So obviously, what's usually the case and with any every team, the majority of the games are at 1 p.m. Eastern. The Giants have, I think I saw, so they have three primetime games, the week one against uh, Pittsburgh, Monday night, and then, yeah, week seven at Philly on Thursday night. That's a Thursday night game. And then right after that, week eight, Monday night against Tampa Bay. And then they have, I believe, four games in the 4 o'clock slot, you know, one at 4.05, one at 4.25, um. Wow, I'm surprised. The Week Five game against at Dallas at 4:25 p.m. Eastern Time isn't on Fox. It's actually on CBS. I figured, you know, 4:25 p.m. at Dallas. That's going to be that's prime Troy Buck, uh, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. Maybe they'll somehow make that switch. But and yeah, a couple. They have obviously yeah 4:05 p.m. because it's at Seattle because you know West Coast and all that. And but I think they got a tough schedule. Yeah, I mean, Dallas and Philly are always going to be tough. They haven't won against either of them since 2016. Baltimore is tough. Cleveland is stacked. Um, they got their two tackles and Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin this this um, this off season. Obviously, Jedrick Wills. Some people thought they were gonna he was going to go to the Giants at number four overall. Didn't happen. Cardinals will be better. Seahawks are always good. Um. Tampa Bay there's, is going to be good. You know, Rams and Bears didn't make the, ma- the playoffs last year, but they'll be tough opponents for the Giants. Niners obviously made the Super Bowl last year. They lost to the Chiefs. Uh, Steelers are always good, so they got a tough schedule. They got a tough. They got a tough slate in 2020. But we'll go more in depth in that the next episode, uh, along with making some predictions as far as the NFC East is concerned. But with that, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 23 of the Wide Right Podcast. Again, I am your host, Ryan Honey of Elite Sports New York. Follow me on Twitter, at Ryan Honey, E-S-N-Y. That's at Ryan Honey, E-S-N-Y. And I'll talk to you guys when episode 24 comes along. Thanks.